This podcast is meant for general health information and is not meant to override any medical advice. All questions will be screened and not contain any personal information. If you want a private consultation, contact us via positivechoice.org or you can contact your provider directly. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Positive Choice Wellness Podcast. I'm Annalise, a exercise physiologist and nutritionist. And I'm Melanie. I'm also an exercise physiologist and nutritionist. And we're here to talk all things health. Health, wellness, fitness, etc. Etc. We gotta put the etc in there. Exactly. Because your health could incorporate all kinds of things. And I'm full of random tidbits of knowledge. Yes, you are. Like, and I mean random. <laughs> <laughs> Bring them on. I'll think of some. I'll incorporate some today, maybe. Maybe. Okay. But what are we talking about today? Today we are going to talk about a kind of big, complicated topic, but Ooh. I think it's something that we all kind of struggle with. Okay. Managing food triggers. Love it. Well, I don't love it, but I love it. You know what I mean? We, I don't we want to have food it. triggers, but I like talking about it. Right. <laughs> we love to talk about it and dig through it, but they're not always the most fun thing to experience. Not at all. Not at all. I think food triggers can, can really set you back um, if you have them, and especially, you know, it's food, and food is delicious. <laughs> right. Well, we are... We are wired to eat, right? Because it's an it's essential instinct, right? It's it's essential to our survival. Um, you know, if you if you meet people that have no desire in food, they're weird and get them out of your life. Yes, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're probably an evolutionary anomaly because if you don't have a drive to eat, then um, you don't have that that like fundamental survival. Now. It also could be a, an evolutionary adaptation of the fact that food is available everywhere all the time, 24 hours a day. That's it's a good point. I don't know. It would be a long discussion, but it'd all be a, like speculation because, I, I mean, that's not my field of expertise. No. <laughs> we, we would have to dig into some research on that. A little bit. Yeah. Little bit. So we'll, pa- we'll pass on that. And yeah. we'll, we'll focus on what we know which is just the, those times that you feel out of control with food, that you are eating things you would rather not eat, or you're overeating things, whatever it is. But but looking at those those moments that trigger us around food, and how do we how do we manage that? How do we change that? Mm-hmm. So I guess we would probably want to start with defining what a food trigger even is. Okay. So. I'm sure there's more than one definition, but like the loose definition probably would be the best place to start. Well, the most basic is looking at um, smells, yeah, sights, situations, memories, memories. You ever put a food on a pedestal and then you eat it later in life? And go, oh. <laughs> I remember this being good. My mom good. made me this egg souffle once when I was seven because I couldn't have solid food for like a week because I had surgery. And then I had it again at at 20 years old, and I was like, this sucks. (laughs) It wasn't as good as it was when I was seven. (laughs) What a disappointment. Well, when you live off of milkshakes and pudding for like four days, and you eat an egg souffle with nothing in it, it's very good. Mm. But that's my little tangent. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, sense memory is Mm -hmm. is a big thing, and I'm sure we'll we'll delve into that a little bit later. But basically, a, a food trigger looks in a very fundamental kind of way is like, oh, 
the grocery store is baking chocolate chip cookies, and now that's all I can think about. That's all I want. I must have a chocolate chip cookie. You're like fixated on it. Right. Or, you know, something looks good, or you have chips in your house, and suddenly you cannot control yourself around eating the whole bag of chips. I just think back to all the things that I've done in my life. One of them was cookie butter, where I convinced myself I could totally not eat an entire jar of cookie butter in one sitting, and that was a complete lie. I totally <laughs> lied to myself. <laughs> it didn't last a day. I ate the whole thing. As you're eating it, you're like, I can stop anytime. Well, but- I did it in pieces. I would mm. go and check on it and test for poison every 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't poisoned, so there's good news. Oh man, that I have not heard that one before, but that's a good one. Oh, I'm full of them. I got a lot of things I didn't do and tell myself. So, what what are some of your food triggers? Do you notice? Um, I think a big one is visual. Um, if I see it, I get fixated on stuff. Um, another one is definitely the sense memory for sure, because I have a few things that I put on pedestals in my brain, and then. Um, you know, I just can't stop thinking about that just because I remember how amazing it was and that's all I want. Uh, and then, you know, beyond that, it's just emotional reactions to stuff actually can totally be food triggers. And I tend to be an emotional eater. So whether I'm stressed, and I'm going to call boredom an emotion at this point. Um, so stressed or bored or upset or pretty much any, any emotion, happy to, all of them, all <laughs> the emotions, I tend to turn to food as a means of either celebrating how I feel or hiding how I feel. And that, that's a big trigger for me. Emotional reactions, I tend to like, ah, I gotta eat. Mm. So that's me. I, I'm, in, I'm in that same boat, uh, emotional reactions to food. I think my biggest food triggers come from same thing, like associations. I associate certain foods with comfort, with mm-hmm. stress management, and when I hit certain times in my life, my brain goes right to, you know what would fix this? Mm-hmm. A really large serving of enchiladas. <laughs> That's what would fix Very this. Very specific. Enchiladas. <laughs> I, I do love me some enchiladas. What Big problem delicious. don't they solve? It's true. It's very true. <laughs> <laughs> but but that and um yeah and sometimes like smell and sight will get me it's not all the time but if if i am in that frame of mind or if i am hungry yeah and you know i catch catch a whiff of fresh baked bread i'm like oh yeah that that's what i need i have to have that yeah and I, you know i've had that same experience when you smell certain things um there and I, you know, I won't say the name, but there's a there's an ice cream place that they actually have fans installed just outside <gasps> the door that blow a special smell out in front of the the building. Oh so when you goodness. walk by, you smell this like vanilla creamy ice cream every time you walk by, and you're like, ha ha ha, why can't I have that? <laughs> and you know, smell is absolutely a trigger for me. If I smell something that smells good, I'm that's what I'm thinking about. I'm like, mm. Ooh. like pizza is another one. You smell pizza? Ever smell fresh baked pizza? It's amazing. <laughs> clearly I have issues it's fine we all do but smells are big because you know that that triggers kind of that that memory center as well because you'll start thinking back on all the times you really enjoyed pizza or whatever the thing you smelled so really kind of more more or less interconnected in a way you're you're a memory and just smelling stuff in general absolutely Absolutely. And I think some other triggers that I have especially around situational stuff Mm mm-hmm um, if I am at some kind of situation, whether it's like potluck or yeah, a party, a buffet, things where there is a million things to try. And, and you have to try all of them. 
and I want to try all of them. And I definitely get on a very slippery slope in situations like that where it's like, oh, well, you know, if I'm already going to do this, I might as well eat what I enjoy. I'm here. Yeah. Right. And it always leads to to overeating, eating things that I wouldn't normally choose for myself because my brain has decided this is your one chance. Yep. And so you should do it. Yeah, and I, I feel the same way with that. I'm very much like buffets and potlucks and anything where it's a free-for-all with food. If I feel like I'm like a, an addict where you have to like dole it out to me. Like, here's all you get. Bye. <laughs> That's all you're going to have. Now uh, I'm going to leave the room away from the food. Yeah, yeah. I, you can't trust me around a buffet table. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to stand there, and that's my new home, and I live there now. Um, I'm just going to dive into the enchiladas, you know? So I, I feel that. I get that. That's definitely a triggering thing for me. I think mostly because it's relying on you to have some semblance of control around the food inherently. It's like, help, the food is here. You better control yourself because we don't want you to look like that jerk who eats all the food mm. <laughs> from that one particular thing you like. Mm-hmm. And I think about that. So I tend just to eat all the things to eat around the fact that I want to eat the entire tray of whatever it might be. <laughs> There's tactics that I use to eat everything. Then you won't remember that you wanted to eat mostly that one thing. That, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Forget that that will reset itself as soon as you're hungry again. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But the same thing. It's situational responses absolutely are a definite thing that I've experienced with food triggers mm-hmm. and they're frustrating because you can be having a rocking day and you come into something expecting like okay I'm going into this with a clear head and open mind I'm gonna be good and you're like food and that's just what happens <laughs> yes and and we were we're laughing about this I think because it's so relatable oh, God, it is <laughs> and, and you got to make light of things but it's not it's not fun in the moment no not at all and and what I'm reminded about for myself is I spent I have a hard time when there's like packaged food in the house mm-hmm. um because it's delicious it's also been scientifically engineered to make me want to eat it absolutely they have food psychologists for that <laughs> exactly um so so i have a hard time with that where like i'll be in my house and i'm like but there's xyz in the kitchen like why fix a salad for yourself when you can eat this like tray of cookies so i have a hard time with that and i spent a lot of years being really hard on myself like you shouldn't have this food trigger like normal people Going back to what you said about the buffet. Yeah. There, there's an idea that there's some, you have some inherent control around it. And some of us do. And they're the weird ones. And They're weird. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And but some of us don't. And then that's all on a spectrum too. Yeah. Right? But, but I spent years telling myself, well, if you were normal around food, and the goal is to be normal around food. You could have this junk food in the house and resist it. It's those people who can buy a chocolate bar, eat one piece, and put it back. And then forget it's in there. Can you imagine? My husband does that. <laughs> he does that. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand. He could have candy. And, like, I met him, and he had some brownies that had been living in a container in his closet for months. Oh, God. <laughs> and we threw them out because, like, months of brownies, probably not a good idea to eat them. But... I don't know how you could... I would have eaten the whole thing. I don't know how you do that. Right. It might last three days. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. But um, I kept trying to put myself in that box because my idea was that that's how I should be. And I cannot tell you the relief that I feel and the success I have with just being like, no. 
If you're telling yourself that you want to buy this thing of cookies or this bag of chips and that you're going to regulate it, Mm -hmm. all it does is cause frustration. I will inevitably overeat it at some point, even if I can, you know, outlast a few days. And then I'll feel bad about myself. And sometimes it's just easier to just be like, no, I'm just going to accept that this is something I deal with and that I don't have to go down that road all the time. Yeah. And one thing, because I've, I've, I've taught enough classes right here, there's going to be like, well, you know, if you just buy the big bag of chips and dole them out in the smaller portions and have a bunch of little baggies of smaller portions in your in your pantry, that should help because you pre-portioned it. I'm like, you don't know me. <laughs> You don't know me because you know me. I will absolutely open up every single one of those baggies. I spent all that time packing full of chips and eat all of them. Um, no, no amount of plastic will stop me from eating that. So <laughs> you think I can't open three bags? Oh, like three <laughs> wishful thinking. Um, so one thing that I find really works for me, you know, like just to kind of lead into the whole like like once you've been triggered if you really are wanting something if you're really like oh I really want to have that I really want to have that and you just it's something you just don't stop thinking about it's on your mind I've had like I'll call it the craving for days like days and days and days of thinking of the same thing over and over and over buy it in a small like I said I'm kind of like an addict here a controlled portion (laughs) dole it out to me so I'll go to a gas station and buy a single serving of it so therefore, if I do indulge, I, I can't go over the top because mm. I only have X amount in my hand. I only have that much in the house. And remember, no amount of packaging will stop me. So if, if I buy multiples, I will eat them all. So I only buy one thing. And that tends to work for me mm. as far as mm-hmm. navigating that aspect of it. That's what was kind of the train of thought I was going down with this. Right. Well, the important thing to to know is how do you react what are your food triggers and what is going to work for you so just like you doling out single servings of and it works for some people works for some people and some people can have things in their house um, but not have it on the counter some people can not go out to eat because it's too triggering Mm -hmm. so there's a whole spectrum and the most important thing is to know where you're at yes and what is going to work for you yeah absolutely but what I want to get into is I want to get into why okay what's the psychology of it what is this food trigger and I I say things and this is something that I say to my class and it's a little bit extreme and there's room to move around in here but I'm always like cravings are not a thing (laughs) they're not real this idea that you desire a particular food and you must have it. People come up with all kinds of reasons, like, oh, I must need a nutrient in there that I'm missing. Or, oh, you <laughs> Chocolate know. has magnesium, so my, I must be low in magnesium. Right. My body just craves chocolate. Craves salt, craves this. Well, salt, that's fair. That could be a craving. You, you might. And it, like I said, there's room to, to move within yeah. that. But the reality is, is that if cravings were anything other than our mind deciding that we need a particular something, then we would crave things like broccoli yeah. and carrots. And let me tell you, no one is like, I just cannot get over this food craving to eat all the broccoli. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> like, I, I, in all fairness, like there are times when I'll crave a salad. 
Like, I do have those. Like, let's say I'm having an exceptionally unhealthy week, and I am indulging quite a bit more than I plan to be. And after several days of eating probably a little too unhealthy, you go, I guess I need a salad. And you just, you just eat, maybe, maybe at that point, your body's so full of free radicals, you're like, just give me something with, without grease in it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to challenge you on this. Okay, go for it. I'm going to challenge you on this. Is it that your body is craving the nutrients of the salad, or is it your mind telling you it knows logically you have been eating unhealthy and that you should eat something nutritious and therefore that turns into a craving i think it's a combination actually is it because Because people eat junk food all the time and never crave salads because they don't think it's healthy i guess i'm coming from a point of eating healthy prior indulging and being over the top for a bit and you deviate from your your habit of doing whatever you were doing so it's a brain okay fine you win (laughs) (laughs) whatever but okay so here's my point here here's here's why I'm driving at home because this becomes very powerful yes and self-empowering because if you believe that your cravings are something that you have to indulge in then you will always be a slave to them fair but if you know that your cravings are embedded in associations your mind has Mm -hmm. about either the world, that food, an experience you previously had, then they lose their power, Yeah, right? So if I am craving beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know, I want a giant thing of pepperoni pizza at the end of my day, and I have had a stressful day, if I can look at that craving and be like, it's not about the pizza, it's about the stress that I had during the day, then I can change my behavior. Absolutely. I've, I've experienced that many times, not necessarily with pizza, but I've experienced that many times. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm thinking, because I remember I had a patient once tell me this, and, I, and she was just like, you know, I, I was just really craving salt, so I had chips because I was really craving salt. And I'm like, just salt put in your hand and like lick the salt that's the easy way of getting salt if you need salt just do that like come on but no the chips is why she needed the salt which that's what you're saying is it's all in your head really at the end of the day like you can get salt in so many forms so clearly it's not the salt you're craving yes and this is (laughs) this is my main argument about the whole like sugar is addictive thing sugar is not addictive Otherwise, we would be walking around with the pure white stuff, with a nice five-pound bag of granulated sugar, eating it by the tablespoon. Yeah. But people don't do that. No. Well, they, maybe some people might, but we won't talk about it. I mean, yeah, they might. <laughs> I have never met one. I'm sure they exist, though. If, I, I refuse to d- disbelieve that. <laughs> if, if you exist and you are listening to this, please let us know. No one's going to let us know they eat sugar by the spoonful out of a bag. I want to know. I don't no think they're going to be honest. No judgment. I want to know. You can anonymously say, I do it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but but it's, it's, that, it's that association with certain foods that, that is driving that. Yes, yes. And I think that's very true. When you have a day and, you know, it doesn't have to even be food. It could be like alcohol, you know, it's the same mm. concept. Um, Cause my husband does this where he'll have a, a rough week and, you know, it's a stressful week at work and he just needs a, a cocktail or whatever. He needs his beer at the end of the week. And I'm like, do you need the beer? Is that going to solve the problem of what you experienced? And we'll end up talking about it. It's just, he just wants a beer. That's what he wants. And that's fair. You're allowed. You can totally have one. Mm-hmm. But making it something you need because you've had a stressful week, that's a reaction of stress. You need this to cope with the stress you're dealing with. 
But do you, will it solve the stress? No, it's, the stress is still there. You're just, now you're intoxicated stressed. So mm-hmm. you don't care about it as much, I suppose. It's, it's a pause in dealing with yeah. the stress, right? It's a brief moment of time where you're like, oh, stress is gone. Oh, it's back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that's, that's, that goes back to that association, mm-hmm. right? So if we associate that the only way that we can de-stress is to have a drink, yeah. then in that moment when we feel stressed, the only option we will think is viable yeah. is to have a drink. What's interesting, too, to kind of piggyback off, back off of that, because I was thinking this while you're saying that. So a lot of times, like, physical location of your house where you typically eat can be a trigger in and of itself. Mm. So if you're constantly sitting on your couch and you're always eating on your couch, your couch becomes a place you eat. If you always eat in your bed, your, your bed becomes a place you eat. So your brain creates an association with where you're at in your home or in general, if you eat in your car all the time, you're going to want to eat in your car because you're always doing it. So by default, your brain goes, but you're here and you do the thing. So why aren't you doing it? Go on, go get the food. Um, so, you know, that could be part of the impulse in it. You're like, why do I always eat mindlessly chips on the couch? Well, first off, you have chips in your house, but secondly, (laughs) you're, you're establishing this routine, this pattern, this brain pattern of, well, I always do that. Mm-hmm. And then that's what you're fighting now at that point. It's an association of something that's familiar. They see that a lot with smokers who quit smoking, places you regularly smoke. You start feeling that craving to do it because you're familiar with that environment that you're in. You're like, what well, I always smoked on the patio. And every time I go on the patio, I want to have a cigarette. Same concept. It's an association. So fascinating stuff. But that's where my head went with that. <laughs> so, so important. Yeah. Because the, the food triggers don't, don't come from just one place the no. triggers for for our coping mechanisms we could expand it all the way out to that and when you were giving us the example of the alcohol at the end of the week it reminds me a lot when I work with patients where they say well I just struggle with my weight because I just like food yeah that's it I just like the taste I just love of eating food. right and it's like, we, we could leave that there. Mm-hmm. You could absolutely leave that there, but then you are giving up all of your power to this thing that is getting in the way of you reaching your health goals. Yeah. And the truth is, is that we don't overeat because we like food. No. We just, we do not because almost everybody likes food. We have to look at what is happening that makes you like food so much that you are willing to trade in your health, your fitness, whatever else that that might be infringing upon. Yeah, absolutely. I see that all the time. I I get that all the time. Like, well, I just really like eating. How do I just not? At the end of the day, it's in your head, (laughs) like to put it bluntly. And a lot of times it just takes recognition of what you're doing. Like it's a moment of awareness um, like I always refer to it as stress, like the moment of clarity. Like I have this occasionally where I'll be like in this like spiraling stress thing, like ah, I'm stressed and I'll go into my pantry and I'll be like reaching for something. And there's this moment, like half a second, I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing that? And that half second is where I make the decision. Do I continue moving forward with this decision or do I think about why I'm doing this? And most of the time I don't choose the latter. <laughs> I usually go for it impulsively because it's such a quick decision. It's such a brief moment of time, but you typically will have some moment where you might go, huh? And then you can think about it for a second and decide where you're going to go from there. 
but I have had moments where I've been staring in my pantry and had a realization of why am I staring in my pantry right now? Am I hungry? <laughs> no? Okay. There must be another reason for it. And then you'll have that conversation with yourself. But recognition is the first step. Just recognizing what is your behavior pattern? Absolutely. And that allows you to be mindful yeah. of, of what you're doing. So I had an experience recently where I was like, wow, this like hit me like a ton of bricks. So I've been doing this like 75 day challenge where it's healthy eating and there, there are no deviations. And hardcore. Yeah, hardcore. <laughs> um, but I like to do things, like, I like to challenge myself. Um, but I watched. <laughs> <laughs> and we're very supportive. Yeah, I supported, yes. I, I, didn't, I didn't challenge her at all in any way beyond support. I was like, that, you got this. That's right, when we got together and had dinner, it was always healthy dinners, it was awesome. Always seltzers. Right. And okay. But during the 75 days, I felt fine. Um, you know, once I got over kind of the, the hump of it, I felt fine. I felt no inclination to ever go back. And at the end of the 75 days, I'm like, I'm just going to keep going. Okay. Now, the night of day 75, first of all, I had a dream that oh. I ate like this gigantic sandwich. <laughs> Sleep so, eating. Did you eat one? I didn't. <laughs> okay. I did not eat one, but I thought that was interesting. But here's what I really thought was interesting is I had to go grocery shopping that day. And a previous behavior of mine that I was happy to see go by the wayside was this idea that I needed to buy treats. Mm. for myself every single time I would go to the grocery store and that could be things like you know chocolate covered almonds or a little pack of gummy bears whatever it is like some idea that I have this big cart of healthy food but I can't leave without that without that, that one treat. little thing okay so this time I had I wasn't even thinking about it because I feel good now I'm not doing that anymore as soon as I was in that grocery store I had this moment of like oh you're off the 75 days. You could have chocolate now. And what, what would be the harm of that? And I've gotten into this habit of being a little bit more of an observer of my, my thought processes. And I'm like, isn't that interesting? Hmm. Like, look at that pattern crop up the second, <laughs> the second I'm done, even though I had no inclination that little old voice just being like your subconscious was counting the days yeah <laughs> don't, don't you want to continue this old pattern now luckily because I was observant of it and knew that I didn't have to buy into it I was like no we're not doing that that is an old habit that did not serve me but those things are insidious oh yeah absolutely um I I I I don't know. I don't have that same mentality of I must get a little treat, but I think that's a lot of ingrained like diet behaviors from the past. But I mean, mine's more of a weekend, kick your shoes off, enjoy yourself, have at it. And my downfall ultimately wasn't ever grocery shopping during the weekdays. It was going out again to indulge for the weekend. So I specifically would go shopping because I was like, it's Friday. I'm free. I'm free from the clutches of healthy eating from Sunday through Thursday. I must go to town on everything because I have been restricting myself all week so I deserve it and that was my big behavior thing that I've I've been fully aware of for a very long time Friday and Saturday were the day days I should say with a z yeah days um because <laughs> it makes it more relevant to the young people Melanie words yeah so uh <laughs> but I 
I personally would make a point like, okay, I'm going to have mac and cheese this day. I'm going to have brats this day. I'm going to have, you know, this. And I would just start adding the stuff on. And you know, I'm going to go and have, you know, eggs with hollandaise sauce on, on brunch. And it was the whole day was just these extravagant meals. Or I'd go out to eat and add these extravagant things. And I came to find it was a coping mechanism for the week. Or because I wasn't properly managing my own stress and mental well-being, I was turning to food as a way of checking out, mm. if you will. So the whole day was me not not wanting to be present. I was being lost in my my food escapades, if you will. Like taking a break from the, the rigidity of your week. I, all I do is talk about health all day, every day. The last thing I want to do is talk about health again. last thing I want to do is focus on health. You know what I want to do? I want to do things that I don't talk about. <laughs> Right. So theoretically, you're kind of white knuckling it through your week. Yeah, I was. Not I mean, anymore. I've, I've balanced now. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, not now. But but that, that's what the visual is coming up for me when we get into that. And I am guilty of that. I think this is one of the most common things that our patients deal with. This Monday through Thursday looks like one thing, and then Friday through Sunday looks like something else. Yes. And then we wonder why we can't reach our health and fitness goals yeah if you if you do an average of the calories you consume just if you count how many calories you eat each day and let's say for example you do 1200 monday through thursday 1200 consistently on the nose and then friday and saturday roll around you're at five or six thousand if you average out your week what is the total amount of calories that you're consuming across the board from sunday to sunday or sunday to saturday i should say and if it's above where your weight loss zone should be you're not going to lose weight because you're making up for lost time essentially with that weekend that's drastically different from your weekdays. Yes. And just to just to tie back into that like deprivation and binge cycle. So the other part of this whole thing around food triggers is that oftentimes when people diet, mm-hmm. they get into a deprivation mode. Yeah. They're not eating enough, they're not fueling their body and it creates both a mental and a physical reaction to binge. The yeah. second you feel deprived around food, and food is tricky because it's something that we have to have to live. Yes. Right? So it's a human need. And if you are telling yourself that you cannot consume the appropriate amount of food to get through your day, that sets it up that like this thing that you need to live becomes way, way, way more valuable. It's on a pedestal now. It's, it's on a pedestal. And so if you break it, right, if you, have, if you have cocktails and appetizers on Friday, it is on because you better get it in before you have to deprive yourself again. Exactly. Just indulge as much as you can because you know, you know, for me, it's Sunday. That's what's my, my thing. I was like, Sunday's good for the most part. But, <laughs> but like, regardless, either Sunday or Monday, you're like, okay, it's time to behave now. Gotta be, go, gotta be on it again. And it was just switching from health to relax to health to relax instead of having that balance. And that's triggering. Because if, you, mm-hmm. if you're depriving yourself consistently, it absolutely is a trigger. So, you know, recogn- it's clearly recognition of that helps because if you recognize it, you know what you're doing and then you can find more balance. But it is a, a balancing game. It's a balancing act. You, you try to find what what will work where you don't get triggered. So you try to find what's going to work for you so you're not s- spiraling out of control into whatever the trigger was for you. Mm-hmm. And, and know your triggers. Yes. Because if you know your triggers, it's like having a road map. So if I know that a stressful day and not eating enough is a big trigger to binge in the evening... 
I know that I need to make sure I'm packing enough food, that I'm managing my stress during the day. Or if you going to like a family gathering is a food trigger for you. Yeah. If you know that, you can make plans to to help mitigate that. Yeah. Planning is never a bad thing. As someone who is a hyper type A planner, <laughs> uh, everything in my life is planned. And I love it because I like that. That's me. Um, you don't have to be that way. I very much love it. So everything has to be on a calendar and structured forever. And having a plan. If you know you're going to have a, like, if you're going to somewhere that is pretty plan free, make a plan for that place. If you're going to a gathering, if you're going to a potluck, which, you know, we're still in a pandemic, so that's probably not a thing. But don't go to a potluck right now. Yeah, no. But um, <laughs> unless you're listening to this in 2022 and we're well out of it, yes, we're making we're making assumptions of when it's going to end, but we're just going to do that. So, <laughs> but it's make a plan, have a have a game plan for how you're going to handle that, and be forgiving should you falter a little bit. It's okay because if you beat yourself up over not doing what you thought you were going to do, that's a food trigger. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like anything can be a food trigger. Not accomplishing what you plan to do to prevent a food trigger is a food trigger. Right. <laughs> if you eat to make yourself feel better and then you are making yourself feel bad about like healthy eating or not doing it or whatever, guess what? You're inevitably going to eat the food because mm -hmm. you triggered yourself. Yeah. So food triggers, they're fun. They're great. We love it. But they're complicated. It's a, it's a complex subject. It's a complex thing. There's so many different kinds of things that can trigger you. It's not just limited to seeing food go, ooh, bacon, and then you're like, I want to eat that. It's, it's more complex than that most of the time. That's right. And because we have talked about pretty in depth at this point about how it's not about the food, I think one of the best things that we can do is start implementing regular self-care activities yeah. so that we are not continually turning to food to meet all of our emotional needs. Exactly. Self-care is great. Yeah. Pamper so, yourself. Pamper yourself. Treat yourself. <laughs> Treat yourself. <laughs> so what, what kind of self-care things do you usually recommend to your patients? Um, Meditation is always a big one. Uh, so if, if you... And it, it's not kumbaya stuff that people always like, oh, meditation. I want to go home. New and, age, science yeah, No, we're, we're talking like breathing exercises, um, just detaching yourself from the stresses of the day and just being focused on the present rather than dwelling in whatever's going on in your brain is being present in that moment of whatever it is that's going on right there. So like feeling the ground, you know, or the chair or whatever. Um, but meditation is a great one, I think, for self-care because that absolutely will benefit you. There's a lot of research that surrounds that. Absolutely. And I always say meditation is, it's just the practice of learning to focus on what you want to focus on. Yeah. So instead of your brain being all over the place, thinking about what happened five years ago and what's going to happen tomorrow, meditation is teaching your brain how to hone in mm -hmm. what's going on in the moment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another thing like self-care, which again, pandemic, but let's pretend for a second there isn't one. Massages are great. <laughs> uh, uh, pedicures are also great because that's just a massage for your feet. Uh, you don't have to be you don't have to be a woman to get it. it you know, everyone True. has this gender stigma around it. Anyone can get a pedicure. They're wonderful. Men need nice feet too. Yeah, yeah. My husband goes with me. It's great. So you know, pampering yourself in any way that makes you feel good is always good. That can help. 
definitely great self-care. Yeah. And then some of the fundamental needs are self-care too. So making sure that you are getting seven to nine hours of sleep every night. Exercising regularly. Drinking half a gallon to a gallon of water a day. Shocking. So these are things we don't think of as self-care because Mm -hmm. we kind of think of, you know, external things. But when we miss our needs as a human being, we will fill those needs with things that are available. So if you are not making time to sleep, you will make time to overeat. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, we have questions. We love questions. I lost my mouse. Okay, I found it. Uh, so uh, we have a couple questions. Consistently two each week, I've noticed, but that's okay. Um, first one, Riley asks, how do I stop snacking at night? That's a good question. Go to sleep. <laughs> no, it's more complex than that. Well, okay. So it could be more complex than that, but I kind of live in the space that the eating at night like after dinner is more of a habit than anything. Mm -hmm. And if you can just stop that habit and make it like, no, after dinner, that's it. There is no more eating. There is no more option of eating. I think that can be kind of helpful in that instance. Structure. Structure. The other one I usually recommend, you know, because like sometimes you might get that little like pantry's calling to you or the fridge is calling to you it's like eat me and you're like okay um (laughs) but if you're really trying not to one thing that really works for me um i have a toothbrush that is two minutes total that takes it's 30 seconds on both front and backside and then front and backside of the upper and lower teeth so it's how does it know it has a timer and it buzzes it goes and you have to switch directions oh yeah it's really cool so i always brush my teeth for exactly two minutes and that's an arduous process that i don't want to repeat so not only does my mouth now taste like mint um i don't want to do it again because i already brushed my teeth why am i going to eat and then have to brush my teeth again before i go to bed so for me brushing my teeth pretty much when i decide okay i'm done eating now i brush my teeth so that way i i've already done that and i'm not as tempted and that that for me tends to work really really well And then that could become like a ritual Mm -hmm. of this is the end of my eating for the day. Yes. It's like the end of the day. I brushed my teeth. I'm done. This is it. I will do whatever else I'm going to do. And that can be beneficial. I know. And I've met people like, well, that won't work for me. I'm like, then find something that will. Mm Because it's not a one size fits all. It's not a a magical shoe that fits everybody's feet. That's not a thing. That doesn't exist. The one size fits all is a lie. (laughs) It is a lie. It, it, Yes. There's nothing that way. So you have to find what's going to work for you. For me, brushing my teeth really works. Right. And also just not having it in my house. That also works. <laughs> I think the last thing that, that I'll put in on this one, making it into the more complex issue it might be, is that if you are not managing your stress mm-hmm. throughout the day and you come home and you have kids and a spouse and whatever and the moment they all go to bed, you have those few moments to yourself and you give to yourself and relieve your stress by eating, that's a problem, Yeah. right? So we gotta manage our stress during the day. The other thing that could be going on is you are not eating enough during the day. Oh, that's what I was thinking earlier, yeah. Right, so you're not feeding yourself during the day, so your body is starving, your mind is cueing you for food, and dinner just isn't doing it. Yep. So correct the physical part of things, look at the mental part of things, and then put some structure down to to get out of that habit. 
Yes, exactly. All right, we got one more question. So from Sylvia, I have kids at home that essentially demand that we have chips and snack foods in the house, and it's hard to resist the temptation. How, what do I do? Help. <laughs> Help. <laughs> I think after today's podcast, everybody knows that you and I would both also struggle with oh, that situation. Yeah. <laughs> it's That's, that's hard. Um because you don't want to have to like necessarily control someone else in your in your life if that's something you want to do but um at the end of the day I think you also have to think about if it's stuff that's not considered health food and you're keeping it in the house that's your family's health too Mm -hmm. so that's one aspect you have to think about is like if there's snack foods and junk food all over your house and you're trying to set the precedent of we're going to be healthy that's not facilitating that that's just sabotaging that because you're like well I want to do this because I want to be healthy but I'm not enforcing it for for anything else in my life just me right and then let's not associate health with weight yeah because one thing that I hear that goes along with this question a lot is well they don't struggle with their weight so why should they have to worry about it and it's like well it's a health issue yeah right um and I've met plenty of not overweight people who are very unhealthy (laughs) yes if it's not healthy for you it's not healthy for your kids or your spouse or the other family that that's living with you yeah but like the one ultimate like if they're just like no we're not gonna change right because you know sometimes families will definitely be that way and yeah. you just you, you can't you can't fight them that much sometimes um one thing that i say is like then to tell them they can have whatever they want but they can't eat it in front of you or at the in the house like if they want to go get chips and cookies and junk let them go to the store and eat it in the car and make sure it's done before they come in the door Mm-hmm. So they still get whatever they want, but it's not around you to drive you kind of crazy, if you will. <laughs> yes, or just keeping it off the counters. Mm-hmm. What, whatever is going to work for you. I think that this is a great example for communication yes. and compromise in relationships. <laughs> yes, communication. Now we're relationship coaches, and this is—I'm just kidding—we're not. Um, but and then if you have kids, it's my house, my rules. So I guess you're out of luck. Yeah. You do you work here? Do you pay the bills? I didn't think so. Um, but regardless, you know, set some appropriate boundaries for yourself, for your family. You know, let them know what you're what you're really trying to get out of it. And if they're not really on board, that's that's going to be a different issue in and of itself. That's right. And it, some some really hard truth around this situation. And there's a lot of gray area, but if you are trying to eat one way and live one kind of lifestyle, but the people you live with are not on board with that, it's not an if you'll go back to it, it's a when. Yeah. There just is, there is no level of success to be had when your environment is polluted. Yeah. And I think that's a very fair point. Like we we forget that, you know, even if we want to be healthy, if, if the environment is not beneficial to us, you can't remain successful for very long. Yes. It might initially, you might go willpower, ah, right, and you're white knuckling it essentially is what we've already talked about. So don't drive yourself down that path. Right. And, and we're, we're talking about behavior change mm-hmm. and the name of the game is set yourself up for success. Exactly. And if your environment is set up for failure, are you going to succeed? Right. Yeah. So to end on this somber note, uh, <laughs> it is time. We're, we're just here to ruin your lives about food and exercise. I get and my long rod and I pop bubbles. That's <laughs> what I do. I just pop bubbles and make very 
very sad people out of everyone so it's yes it's good time but the good news is is that you're only you only mourn the bad behavior mm-hmm. until you realize how good you feel exactly and that's why we do what we do exactly yeah so with that being said i hope everyone has a fantastic rest of their day and whatever you're doing i hope that can help you navigate some of these food triggers you may or may not be having and until next time and don't forget to be nice to yourself be nice be kind Bye, everybody.